What's up, people? This is your 10-minute call, 10 minutes to places. Let's get going. Today, we're talking about survival jobs. Let's go. Okay, people, today we're talking about survival jobs, a.k.a. side hustles, a.k.a. how do you really make money? And uh, I always find when I'm talking to people about how I'm an actor, um, they assume that I'm just a waiter, right? Like that's like the sort of common stereotype or the common myth about our industry or our profession is that everyone's a waiter or waitress or maybe a bartender, Right, they'll maybe throw in that third, that second option. Oh, do you have 10 bar? And I know for a lot of people that is the case, but for me, it's not. <laughs> I've never been a waiter, I've never been a bartender. And you know, people who don't understand our industry, who don't understand like what it is to be an actor, they maybe don't realize that you're not just like a waiter or a waitress on the side for a little bit of money. Usually our side jobs, our, our survival jobs, our side hustles, they are almost full careers these days, right? Like that's the thing that I don't know that people completely understand. Maybe a few generations ago or, you know, a few decades ago, actors may have been able to work, you know, a few shifts a week, make enough money to pay the rent and then go out and do what they want to do, you know, creatively. But now with the prices of these big cities that our industry is based in, namely New York and Los Angeles, you can also throw Chicago in there, and Atlanta's coming up in terms of price as well, it is so expensive to stay alive in these places that your your side job, your survival job, it's not just a survival job, it's almost a survival career. Even if it's like a a low-skilled job, you know, or a service industry job, and I don't mean low skill as an insult, I just mean in terms of like there isn't a ton of training for it. Even if it's that, you're still putting in 40 hours minimum a week, probably closer to 60. For a lot of us, two or three jobs to accumulate that type of hours. You know, the pay isn't terrific. And this is all just to stay alive in the city, right? And so whenever I go home to Massachusetts and I'm talking to people, I realize one of two things starts happening. I'm wondering if this is all happening to any of you either. The first thing is, is if I haven't seen them for a little while, a year or two or more, the first thing they ask is, are you still doing that acting thing? Hey, you still doing that acting thing? And it's like, yeah, Jim, are you still doing that insurance thing? Like, yeah, yes, I'm still doing my job. Are you still doing your job? Do you still have your job? There's this very pejorative sort of connotation in the question, right? There's this idea that like, have you given that thing up yet? Are you done? You know, are you still are you still doing that? It's like, yes, I've chosen, uh, you know, a creative path in life, a creative field, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing or being that just because I maybe haven't popped up on your, you know, four channels that you watch, one of them probably being ESPN. So, you know, just because you haven't seen me doesn't mean I'm not still doing this. And then the second thing is, is if they start to ask you like, oh, well, what do you do to sort of make money? Like, what are you doing on the side? They immediately go to, are you are you uh, waiting tables? And like I said, for a lot of us, the answer is yes. But for me, the answer is no. My survival jobs have been sort of really varied. And I always notice with actors, we're always checking in with each other about like, oh, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing on the side? Do you have a good thing going? Are they hiring? 
you know, how much do you make there? There's always this thing of like, is there a place where I could be making more while doing less, you know, doing, doing less physically or less time so that I can be, you know, out going to auditions and taking classes and doing what I really want to be doing, you know, because that's more important. And so I want to talk today about some of my survival jobs and, uh, and then at the end, I want to check in and ask you guys about some of yours and hopefully you can leave me some comments or some, some, uh, some little tidbits and we can check in on the next episode. But So while I've been in New York, my survival jobs have sort of mirrored some of the jobs I had in Massachusetts. So in Massachusetts for years, I was doing stand-up comedy and I was taking improv classes in Boston and picking up the odd community theater show while I was looking to get into grad school for acting. And so while I was up there, I worked at grocery stores and I was a substitute teacher, which was perfect for stand-up because the hours were great, they never overlapped, and there was a wealth of material, right? Kids in high school never stop providing you stuff to just bring up on stage. So in terms of stand-up, that was great. When I moved to New York, I found it a little bit harder because, because I hadn't waited tables or tended bar and that is such a big thing in this city. I did have to sort of jump into the temp agency pool and sort of work a lot of like office work. And for a while that was pretty lucrative uh, because you can get good money without really being too worried if you lose that job or if you have to move on for a show or if you're shooting episodic or something like that and you, you need a day or two to do that. You're not too worried with those jobs because they are they are temporary, right? But they can be fairly lucrative in terms of money and time and stuff like that. So I did that for a little while, but there's never really a guarantee that it's going to last forever. And week to week, it can sometimes leave you really short. And so I ended up at this place that a lot of people in New York City know, and uh, it's called the McKittrick Hotel. And it hosts a show called Sleep No More, very sort of well-known in New York, and even among a lot of people that aren't from New York. And so I worked as a part of the front of house team up on the top floor. So I'm not technically a part of sleep no more, but a part of like another sort of joint operation for that whole building. And uh, I bring it up because I got some really, really good stories from it. And that was probably the only thing I got from it. <laughs> Other than that, the pay was, eh. the hours were atrocious. I mean, you worked in sometimes until three or four in the morning and it was hourly pay, right? So you weren't even picking up the kind of tips that bartenders or wait- waitresses or waiters might make for the long hours. You were sort of just working hourly. And the only thing that I really got from it in the end was these stories. Because a lot of people came through that place doing a lot of like funky stuff. It was, a, it was kind of a magnet for a certain clientele in New York and that were those were people that wanted to sort of drop into a fantasy and live a sort of interesting bizarre life for 2 hours at this show. And so if you don't know what Sleep No More is, it is a devised theater piece. It is sort of based on the Scottish play and it's everyone's wearing masks in the the audience and you walk through about 5 floors of this show. And no, there's very little talking. There's, there's like, there's no dialogue, right? It's very movement based and there's music and it's very cinematic in, in its themes. It's kind of merged with Hitchcock. It's got a Hitchcockian theme to it. 
And you follow the actors and actresses as they're walking through the show. You follow them. And you can literally, almost like a choose-your-own-adventure book for theater while this story is taking place. And you can imagine the voyeuristic tendencies that it creates among people that are allowed to put on a mask and sort of participate in theater. The most interesting thing is the celebrities that would sort of be attracted to this venue. And um, that was where I got some of my best survival job stories. And one of my favorite ones was we were doing this separate show up on the top floor. Like I said, I was a part of a sort of linked part of the, of the building, but I wasn't in sleep no more. So I was working front of house for this show called Prudencia Heart, The Strange Undoing of Prudencia Heart. And it attracted a pretty, pretty successful clientele. A lot of people were really digging the show and had heard about it and wanted to come see it. And one of the people that wanted to come see it was 1970s and 80s, and I guess kind of 90s star, Brooke Shields. Um, and uh, I knew Brooke Shields like through my mom. Like my mom would talk about Brooke Shields all the time because she was such a big star when my mom was growing up. And like she was on some stuff when I was a kid and I like remember her. And um, so we were working this show and we heard that she was there and they would always try to give us a heads up when famous people were there so that you like treat them nice, you know, so that they feel special. And, you know, you, you always want to take care of the people that could potentially, you know, attract people. I guess, I don't know, maybe there's a crowd of people following Brooke Shields, you know, and going to the places she's going. But so we were told she was there and, you know, everyone was very attentive to her and nice. And um, the best part is at the end of the night, the crowds cleared out, but like Brooke Shields and her, her other like friend uh, who was like of the same age and they were, they were hammered drunk, just hammered drunk. And they had had a really, really good time. And such a good time that Brooke Shields went around to literally just about everybody, a part of our front of house team, and told us that one of the cast members of the show she had just seen, as she referred to him, you know, the guy in the white pants, he's got a nice ass. And she went around to each and every person and kind of dropped this little dime but she did it like individually. So like as, as she finally leaves, we finally get her on the elevator and we get her out of there. And she's like going downstairs and we all check in with each other. And we're like, how about that Brooke Shields, huh? And then each person individually drops the little dime they got of like, yeah, man, she was talking about one of the cast members' asses. It's like, well, she said that to me. So it turns out Brooke Shields went around to about 10 people individually and sort of uh, verbally drooled about this uh, this actor's butt um so that was an interesting night you know that was that was a funny one we saw a ton of other celebrities working at that job that was like I said one of the coolest parts was there were some cool stories that came out of it but other than that uh that job was uh yeah it was one of those um and I think every actor has one of those so that's gonna lead me into what I'm asking about I want you to tell me either in the comments on our Facebook page, which is uh, at your 10 minute call on Facebook or, you know, any way you can reach me, contact Kyle Maxwell at gmail.com is the email for this show. Um, reach out to me there. I want to hear your best and or worst survival job stories. And we're going to open up the next episode with some of the tidbits I get from you. If I get some good ones, 
Um, so tell me like horror stories, amazing stories, people you met, uh, celebrities that came into your restaurant. Um, you know, I know some actors already that I've heard some stories and I'm kind of hoping they reach out with some of the details because I've heard them before and I, I, I would love to use them on this and talk about them because they're really funny. But so yeah, reach out to me either on our Facebook page or wherever or through the email I gave you, contact Maxwell at gmail.com. Worst or best, and I would really prefer worst because those are way funnier, survival job stories, okay? So, so get me those and we will get a new episode up pretty soon. And until then, this has been your 10-minute call which has passed, so places.